If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. So you have the first overall pick in a roto draft. Who are you taking? Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, or Mike Trout? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, October 22nd. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and a special guest who we will get to in just a few moments. Who are you taking between those three outfielders, Scott? I'm taking Acuna. Homer. I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think he, he did anything to deserve losing that top spot. He struck out a little more, but, you know, a couple stints on the IL, making a already small sample size even smaller. And just uh, I, I, the clearest power-speed combo, and obviously given the, the demand for stolen bases right now and... and the current roto environment, five by five environments, uh, that's that counts for a lot. I, I Trout's not running much anymore, he hasn't run much the past two years. Bets, it's been a little more off and on with the steals. Fortunately, there were a lot in his first year with the Dodgers, so that that kind of relieves concerns about how uh, how often he would be in, in encouraged to run, how much he'd be encouraged to run with them. Uh, but I think Acuna is still the choice there. I mean, honestly, if I was starting a draft and I could pick where I was picking, I'd, I'd, I'd choose to take probably the third or maybe even the fourth spot if you if we throw Fernando Tatis in with those infielders, uh, with those outfielders. But forced to pick one, I'm picking Acuna. And I put up a poll on Twitter asking this exact question. So I'll get to those results in just a little bit. I'll give you my thoughts and I'll also give you the thoughts... Well, I won't give you the thoughts. The special guest will also give you his thoughts. We've already had Nando DeFino on this offseason, so I thought we'd keep things rolling with another member of the FBT Hall of Fame. It's the return of the milk, Al Melchior, <laughs> who is over at The Athletic and the host of their Fantasy Baseball in 15 podcast. What is going on, Al? Uh, what else you got going on over at The Athletic? Uh, Frank, well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. And uh, I, I guess I missed the induction ceremony. I didn't know I was in the... The, the FBT Hall of Fame. I just uh, made it right now. But uh, yeah, we're we're uh, you know we're shifting into off season mode here. So um, you know the I'm not going to be writing for uh, you know a little while. But um, yeah, the uh, Fancy Baseball in 15 will be uh, publishing things uh, sporadically over the next couple of months, and then gear back up uh, to a regular schedule soon after that, and uh, then you know, the writing will follow. Yeah, we are. We're in the same mode here, man. Like we're taking these early looks at position previews, and of course, today on the show, we're going to be taking a look at the outfield position, uh, which is seemingly never ending. So I don't know how many we're going to actually get to today, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Before we started, Scott said he was going to be a little bit, sh- you know, shorter winded today. So I guess we'll uh, we'll yeah, find out about that's that. That's the goal. That uh, that's <laughs> always the goal. Yeah. By the way, it, I'm, it's never my goal to be long winded. It just turns out that way, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've been barely getting through 12 at the infield spot, so I think we need to get a little deeper than that in the outfield. And I'm sure people want to hear Al Melchior talk about these guys. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while for this. It's been long enough that uh, probably a portion of the audience is like, who is this guy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say other than 
Adam Azer and and me, Al Melchior, probably has been on more episodes of Fantasy Baseball today than anybody. He was how how long how long were you a part of our crew? Al um, almost seven full seasons. I left late in the the 2016 season. Started. Um, you know, right in spring training in 2010. So, so long freaking time, long freaking time. Long, yeah. Long freaking time <laughs> in the media world, especially. And, you know, now, cause it's 2020 and time has lost all meaning. You know, I don't know if I've been gone four years or, or four weeks, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I realized I, I completely dodged the question. I, I you know, I'll right, if, if forced to draft among those three right now, I would take, take trout. Um, I could make an argument for any of the three and an argument against any of the three, but I think for me, it's just um, maybe a little distrust of the batting average floor with Acuna um, and maybe a little distrust of the, of the steel ceiling, but you know, it's like a razor thin margin among the three, but I actually, it feels a little risky, but I, you know, I'm leaning towards actually taking somebody outside the top three or those three. uh, If I had the number one pick right now. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I guess you have you have to tell us who, right? Little tease there from Al. Yeah. Is it is it Fernando Tatis? Keep y'all waiting. It's it's somebody in the outfield pool. Ooh, somebody okay. in the outfield pool. All yeah. right, interesting enough. So we will uh we will get to that. And Scott, did you know that Al and I have crossed paths a few times over the years before this little meeting here? I have a little fact or fiction for you. Are you ready, Scott? Oh, yes, I love this. Fact or fiction. I once hung out with Nando and Al in a barcade in Manhattan for hours throughout the night. Fact or fiction? Uh, well, is this is this the only entry in fact and fi- fact or fiction? Yeah, this is it. Okay, well, then it's <laughs> got to be fact. Otherwise, you wouldn't be bringing it up. No, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't have to be. It's fact. Yeah, it is fact. Yeah, you should have seen Al, man. He was bombed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a good time. Look, in, in the words of Nando DeFino, good times were had by all. Good times were indeed had by all. All right, so let's get into the rest of this little outfield preview. Uh, actually, before we do that, I do want to ask you, Al, we ha- we've asked all of our guests here throughout the offseason uh, how they were handling 2020, and it's going to be a big topic of discussion, and I've mixed in basically looking at the last 162 games played to try and help my analysis heading into 2021, but ultimately, how much weight are you going to put on 2020 production? We saw players like Jose Abreu and Salvador Perez do things that they've never done before. We saw huge letdown seasons from Javier Baez and and Christian Yelich, which we'll get into as well. How much weight are you putting on 2020 production, if any, when it comes to projecting and ranking players for 2021? Well, I think what you just said that you're doing, um, just mixing it in with, um, with 2019, uh, you know, weighted for the the same, you know, for the proportion of games played. That that's probably how I'm going to be dealing with it. I mean, I haven't come up with you know an exact system just yet, but um, I'm not going to give it a you know the the weight of a full season. Um, you know, and for reasons that are probably obvious to everyone, that um, you know we've seen plenty of players get really hot for two months or you know the better part of two months and and go back to who they were so there's no reason to think that's not going to happen with uh, Salvador Perez or on the other end uh, a Javier Baez um you know for somebody like a uh, Randy Arozarena um I think you know there's got to be some discount there obviously um so not not very much weight at all I think in the case of and I, I know this is somebody we're probably gonna get around to but like Charlie Blackman where you see decline um, you see him on the place in the age curve where the decline makes sense, then yeah, I'm probably going to wait a player like that a little bit more. Um, but by and large, yeah, I'm going to wait 2019 and the trend ahead of that um, much, much more heavily. And when it comes to starting pitchers, uh, projecting innings for you know, seemingly young pitchers and prospects every single year is, is a tough task by itself let alone coming off a season where we only played 60 games. And I think the leader in innings pitch was Lance Lynn with like 80-something. Um, you know, Corbin Burns was awesome this year, and Jesus Lazardo we're excited about. When it comes to projecting innings for next season, do you have any idea, or is it kind of just a wait-and-see approach, see what you know teams are doing in the offseason? Absolutely wait-and-see. Um, part of the wait-and-see is just the offseason research and looking at, at trends. Some of it is frankly going to be um, what happens with the pandemic, because I think a lot of 
some of what we saw this year with pitcher usage was just it was trending that way over the last few years. And some of it was teams, you know, making do, um, you know, shorthanded or, um, you know, pitchers that maybe had to, you know, ramp up more quickly. I mean, there's just so many unknowns as a result of the, the pandemic. I expect it's going to be a lot of that again next year. So, um, you know, it really sort of depends on on how that how that uh, progresses or, or how, you know, how that plays out over the next several months. All right. The outfield position mentioned Ronald Acuna, Mike Trout, and Mookie Betts. Of course, those are the top three outfielders for Scott in his early 2021 ranks. And I put out a poll uh, a couple hours ago when we were recording this, of course. And Acuna is leading the vote with 52%. Mike Trout, 32.6% of the vote. And Mookie Betts at 15% of the vote. And Al, I think, you know, how you phrase it was well. Like, you can have... a and a different order for each of these guys. And you can make the argument and, and you know, you can make arguments against all these guys as well. But ultimately I think they're all pretty safe and should probably go in the top five in a points league. I probably would put Mike Trout number one just because he's been so consistent. Um, but in, in Roto, I'm going to put Ronald Acuna and both and Mookie Betts both ahead of Mike Trout. And it's just really because of the decline in steals over the past couple of seasons. Um, do you have any problem with that, Al? No, I don't. Like I said, I, you know, somebody could come up with any kind of sort of configuration and uh, I could probably be convinced of it. So uh, I certainly wouldn't blame anybody for uh, going with any one of the three in any any sort of format. Okay. And it, yep. Go ahead, it, Scott. It sounds like you're going with number four in my outfield rankings because I don't see who else it could possibly be. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't think you'd have a hard time figuring that out. Uh, absolutely. And again, I'm not sure of it because I'm aware of the fact, and we'll just you know we'll do the reveal here, Juan Soto, um, that I, I'm doing the the, uh, the inverse of Blackman here uh, with Juan Soto, which is I'm looking at the small sample from 2020, looking at the age, looking at the trajectory, and I'm pretty much buying into just the the stratospheric production that he put up uh, in those uh, over this you know the portion of the 60 games that he actually played. Yeah, so of so, course, Juan Soto is going to be 22 years old at the start of the 2021 season, and he was just ridiculous. I mean, 351 batting average, 13 home runs, 39 runs, 37 RBI, 6 deals in just 47 games. And he started the season on the COVID list, and he still wound up doing what he did. He averaged 4.7 fantasy points per game, which led all hitters. So, Scott, you know, when I put up this poll, a few people actually wrote in, and they're like, Juan Soto. I don't think it's crazy that some people are going to consider moving him ahead of these other three options that we mentioned in Acuna, Trout, and Betts. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a stretch for me. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. And I don't... It's always uncomfortable making the argument against the player that you know is really good. Um, and it's it's splitting hairs to a degree. But if I'm going to quibble over Juan Soto, it's that uh, the ground ball rate which kind of got us worried in his rookie season and then his sophomore season, I was much improved. It, it was back in this third season. It was one of the highest ground ball rates in, in the league. And you know, I'm not sure how much I care about that for Juan Soto when the production's been there anyway, but I'd rather, I, I'd rather not have that hanging over him, you know? And uh, if, if it's the diff, if, like if we're looking for risk factors among these players, I would, that would be one of the higher ones for me. The other issue with Juan Soto is I'm not confident in the base stealing ability. He had 12 in 2019. It was really the first time he had he had shown any amount of that. So I was skeptical of that in the first place. He ended up with six in the 60 game season, so a really good pace. Uh, a lot of those were piled onto the end, which. You know, it's not uncommon for a stolen base distribution to be inconsistent. So, you know, I, I wish it like like I could say for every player, I wish we had four more months to see how many bases Juan, Juan Soto would have ended up stealing. Uh, StatCast has him only in the 32nd percentile for sprint speed. So he's not fast like you'd expect a base stealer to be. I, I think that's very much in question. But if you're just talking about pure hitting ability, uh you know, I might put Soto second behind Trout. And and if we're talking about a points league context, 
you know, I move Acuna behind Soto for sure, as little as Soto strikes out. I move Tatis behind Soto. Uh, he's not outfield, obviously, but uh, I'm drafting him ahead of him in a five by five league. So in, in a points league, Soto is probably third for me. But in a five by five, I have him sixth uh, with Shane Bieber also thrown in there as, as the fifth player. And see, here's the thing for me is that, you know, so we pose this, and I understand this is an, an outfield uh, episode here, so we're, we're ignoring Tatis, but Tatis does, I think, belong in that discussion, and I think Soto does too. So what I would say about um, Acuna and Trout and Betts really extends to Tatis and, and Soto. I feel like it's a five-way contest. And I don't think anybody is crazy going any, any one of the five ways. And I, you know, given that I see them as that close and I look at what Soto did this season, um, given that I see them as roughly equivalent, I think Soto's got the, the highest ceiling of the five. So Scott, I did just want to touch on what you mentioned about the ground ball rate for Soto, because that stood out to me as well. And I'll throw this question back your way, Al. Um, and I was going to ask like, does it really matter if your launch angle decreases and you hit more ground balls when your barrel rate is a career high? So basically, yes, he hit more ground balls, but when he hit the ball in the air, he hit it better in the air than ever before. A 99.5 mile per hour average exit velocity on just fly balls and line drives. That was tied for third in baseball with Ronald Acuna. Um, so he had a 36% home run to fly ball ratio, which is extremely high and probably not sustainable. When he lifted the ball, he lifted it pretty damn well. So is that something that kind of eases your mind, Al, when you see that huge spike in ground ball rate? It's it's a part of the the picture that's really reassuring to me. And I, I take sort of a, a glass half full approach, like an opposite view of this than what that Scott does, that um, you look at that ground ball rate and in isolation, it is a little concerning. Um, but I look at it as that, you know, with that big jump, that he looks like a regression candidate. Usually when you know, you've got big swings like that, um, they'll go the other way the next season. So I don't expect Soto to hit uh, 55% of his batted balls on the ground next year. I think, you know, most likely it'll be under 50. And um, if it doesn't, he'll still be awesome like he was this year. But I think that, there, you know, whatever regression there might be in power, um, you know, pound for pound, I think he gets it back by hitting in the air a little more next year. You know, I, I know I'm I'm slowing down a conversation that I wanted to move quickly, but uh, Al's a good person to ask because I'm not going to feel like an idiot for asking him. Um, so barrel rate specifically, to a lesser degree, hard hit rate, but especially barrel rate. I've been approaching players who have this outlier barrel rate, outlier for the rest of their career, let's say. In Juan Soto's case, it's, you know, he was in the 99th percentile in barrel rate, so an outlier overall. Like if if that's the source, the main source of a player's improvement from what I can tell, I'm kind of tuning that out because that just seems like, okay, he was he was hot. He was barreling up a lot of balls. And so obviously the numbers were high. Does that seem like an appropriate way, an an appropriate inference? I can be. Um, I I tell you what, I I put more stock into average exit velocity on flies and liners this year and actually in general, but especially, especially this year, because it's just, you're, you're looking at a a larger sample. Um, You know, every time they launch the ball, um, you know, you're getting an exit velocity reading and, and um, you know, that it's going to be more, you know, only a portion of those airborne balls are going to be barrels. So I like to go with the larger sample. So especially in a 60 game season, I wasn't really that that trusting of the barrel rates. Now that's that's not going to be anything that's going to um, deter me from Juan Soto um, because all the other numbers are, are so impressive. But I mean, sure. I, I think in general that's that's a pretty good point. Yeah, yay! I got I made a pretty good point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't sell yourself short, Scott. Yeah. You make a lot of those. Come on. <laughs> uh, you might have noticed, but fall is here. In Al's case, it seems like winter is here because we were talking before the podcast and he said something about negative degree weather in Montana. So I'm sorry, Al. Unless, of course, you'd like it, then it's perfectly fine. But fall is here for most people. It's getting chilly outside. You might need some sweaters or jeans, maybe even a new jacket. The first place you should look is Express. This is the new Express, which offers a fantastic combination of comfort, fit, and versatile styles of clothing. What we're offering you today is $25 off your next $50 purchase. All you have to do is text BASEBALL to 397-737. Again, text the word BASEBALL to 397-737. 
Look good, feel good is a real thing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You just feel different. And you have a higher level of confidence when you leave the house and you think to yourself, I look pretty damn good today. I mentioned, you might need some new clothes for the fall or winter. I took a look at the Art of the Essential collection over at the Express website, and I came across some really nice polo sweaters, flannel shirts, and bomber jackets. Even if you need some everyday clothing, they have a three-pack of crew neck t-shirts for just $33, which I'm getting ready to order for myself. And if you're going to order that for yourself as well, then that means you should use our discount. Remember, you can get $25 off your next $50 purchase at Express by texting BASEBALL to 397 Seven three seven. All right, outfielders number five through seven here on the list. Scott, um, <laughs> these are some fun ones to talk about and try and figure out what the heck went wrong in 2020. Um, yeah. Well, for two of these guys specifically, but it is Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, and Bryce Harper. Scott, I mean, start okay. with you. Like, what went wrong? What went wrong with Yelich and and Bellinger, and and what is your confidence level that these guys bet, get back to the level they were uh, just in 2019 when they were, you know, one won the MVP and the other was an MVP finalist. So for there, there are there are two arguments for anybody who drastically underachieved in in 2020, and that's small sample size. If given enough time, you know, it's very likely they would have come around. Or, you know, routines disrupted because of COVID protocols and because of the, the hurried buildup to the start of the season. You know, I say routines disrupted, that, that could mean uh, video access. I know that was compromised for a lot of players. It was brought up uh, specifically for J.D. Martinez, but it could have affected other players in a significant way. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of blanket arguments you could make for anybody. The reasons is... To- to be encouraged for Yelich and Bellinger specifically in my mind, or Yelich actually hit the ball harder than he ever has before. His strikeout rate was way too high, but obviously that's, that's not anything we've ever seen from him before. That's not something I expect to continue. Uh, it, it looks like a combination of that and some bad Babbitt luck really dragged down his batting average, but I think he's going to be fine. I think late first round pick, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Bellinger, he maintained his strikeout gains from his MVP season. That was the most obvious way he improved, cut way down on the strikeouts, and that continued. He actually had a 284 expected batting average, according to StatCast. So, uh, you know, it seems like he was unlucky as far as that went. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to be more like a borderline first-rounder, but I'd, I'd, I'd be comfortable taking him too, especially considering he's also eligible at first base, and that's shaping up to be a pretty shallow position. And it's worth mentioning that I think most people who draft Cody Bellinger are probably going to use him as a first baseman because I don't think that position is very good. Uh, But, of course, he has outfield eligibility, so we will include him in this discussion. Al, I'm a little bit more worried about these guys. Uh, I don't know if I'm putting too much weight into the 2020 season, and and I don't want to let that affect me very much. With Yelich, career-high 30.8% strikeout rate. That was never higher than 21% ever in his career. Um, his aggressiveness was way down. His swing percentage was down 10% uh, from his career mark. Really does not have protection in the lineup, and that's something that I worry about specifically. Like, Is that what kind of changed his approach this season? Uh, Cody Bellinger has now struggled against lefties big time in two of the last three seasons. He was tinkering with his swing just before the season started as well. So I'm a little bit more worried about probably Bellinger than Yelich in general, but both of them, honestly. Yeah, I'm real. I'm with Scott. I'm not worried about Yelich, really. I mean, yeah, it's weird how uh, much his swing rate decreased this year, and that goes a long way towards explaining the strikeouts. I mean, it's not that he was really worse at making contact. His whiff rate actually went down a little bit this year. He just wasn't swinging the bat nearly as much, and I have no explanation for that. Yeah, maybe it's a lack of protection. Maybe it's you know coming back from those injuries and maybe just being out of his groove. I don't, you know, I really have no confidence in my explanations to be honest uh, I just it's just such an aberration for Yelich that uh, you know I think he gets back to his, his previous MO and he's perfectly fine Bellinger worries me just um, a bit too because his 2019 numbers were really boosted by the first month or so um, so I feel like for him there's really there's a happy medium kind of between the the 2019 overall numbers and what he did this year which really uh, you know, I think makes his 2018 numbers uh, a fair place to project them. Uh, 
And, um, you know, like Scott said, maybe he's a borderline first rounder, which is you know pretty, pretty different place to look for him than, than we were looking in March. Yeah. I mean, 2018, um, think it back like that was, that was like fourth, fifth, sixth round, right? Is, does that, that, I think that's where we were drafting him going into 2019. And then he exploded with those MVP numbers. So that, yep. Actually, you, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah, I don't think we dropped on that much. Um, so I, I yeah, I think I really uh, didn't mean to uh, to apply okay. that. Okay. But right. um, but yeah, maybe somewhere between 2019 and, and 2018. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think 2019, we're probably not going to see a better version of Bellinger than that. I think that's I think that's fair to say. Scott, I kind of want to put Bryce Harper ahead of Bellinger. Which seems a little crazy, but, and there's a lot of volatility for both of these guys, right? Like expected outcome for Bellinger and Harper. I mean, I, I still think like Harper can go out and win the MVP every, any season, but there are also times where like his floor is a little bit lower than expected. His stat cast numbers, and we reference this towards the end of the season for Harper, they were actually better in 2020 than they were in his MVP season when he hit yeah. 330 with 42 home runs. And now that he's right. running more, and his splits in 2020 were fantastic. 966 OPS against lefties, 960 OPS against righties. I kind of want to put Harper against ahead of Bellinger, but it seems a little aggressive. It seems a little aggressive. Yeah, I, I, you're not going to get both in all likelihood. So if if I mean, you could probably take you could probably take both if you have the 12 if you have the 12th pick, you could probably take both at the, at the turn. No, that's true. That. According to early draft results, that would be a reach on Harper, especially. Um, but you could. I guess you could get both, yes. Um, but yeah, expected batting average for Harper this past year, 307. That's versus he actually hit 268. Expected slug was 657. He actually slugged 542. So <laughs> yeah, uh, underperformed those numbers significantly. Uh, y- you know, there's the small sample caveat applies to expected stats too. It's important to keep in mind. Uh, A big reason they improved was because his strikeout rate was so much lower so that's encouraging to see but also we don't have a a strong record of him being this 17% strikeout guy versus a 25% strikeout guy. So it's, it's, it's putting a lot on two months if you do that if you take him over Ballinger. And so I just as a Matter of principle, I wouldn't want to do that, but I get the argument. And Harper was also better in the second half of 2019. He got off to a really slow start, obviously signed that mega deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, but his strikeout rate basically declined um, every month and, and specifically in the second half of 2019. And I think it carried over, obviously. But uh, man, I'm pretty excited about Bryce Harper uh, and his early draft value. That brings us to Whit Merrifield, who you have at eight, Scott. And we spoke about him on the second base preview. So I'm going to avoid him. And uh, we'll also skip over Kevin Biggio and Dom Smith and Brandon Lau if we get to those guys a little bit later on. Because I assume most people will be drafting them for either second base or for first base. So your next trio in the ranks, now we're up to nine through 11, would feature Marcelo Zuna, Kyle Tucker, and George Springer. And for Ozuna... This is basically the example of trusting in the StatCast data and, and trusting the process because all of his, he basically underperformed all of his numbers in 2019. We were telling people, look, buy back in, in, in 2020. I don't think anybody could have seen him finishing as the number one outfielder in Roto this year, Scott, but mm-hmm. uh, you know he did perform closer to those expected numbers uh, like they were in 2019, obviously. Uh, for his actual numbers in, in 2020, the big question is, you know, where is he going to land in the offseason? Because he's a free agent, so I, I yeah. honestly don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, of course, the Braves are saying they want him back. I, I, I kind of feel like he he probably priced himself out of their budget, but maybe not. We'll see. I think everybody would like to see him back with the Braves for his fantasy value as as good as this season went. And yeah, it probably comes as a surprise to a lot of people listening. Marcelo Zuna with a late surge, finished number one in the outfield rankings in both Roto and points leagues, by the way, finished ahead of, oh, wow. uh, pulled ahead of Mookie Betts. Um, you know, it, <laughs> obviously his track record suggests he's not this good. He had long underperformed his expected stats. Uh, so I, 
I don't really know what this is the point in the outfield rankings where I start to get uncomfortable. Like I, I feel good through number eight through Whit Merrifield. And then here it's like, okay, Ozuna, uh, because I don't see any reason other than track record to say he's not really this good. Um, and because he was number one, I, I don't feel like I could justify ranking him lower than ninth, but I, I don't know that I'm going to be the one to take him here. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens in the offseason, obviously where he lands. Um, but you know, Kyle Tucker, who you also have in this range, I think is very interesting because, you know, I know Chris Towers was all over in the 29th, 2020 preseason. Uh, why would you take Luis Robert when you can get, um, Kyle Tucker, however many rounds later, however many picks later. And now we're looking at these guys going in a similar range. And I think this is going to be a big topic for discussion in the offseason, Al, is who do you want to take between these young potential five-category contributors in Luis Robert and Kyle Tucker? Tucker made some significant improvements, uh, and we'll get to Luis Robert in just a little bit. But is did Tucker make enough? Did he take enough of a step for you to be okay taking him Potentially in like the third or fourth round, that's where the early ADP is at. If, you know, if I still need an outfielder at that point, yeah, I'm I'm as comfortable with him as I am with anybody, um, and including Ozuna. But I really want one of those top seven outfielders. Uh, and uh, I, I just recently did the um, the two early mocks, the uh, the Justin Mason mocks, and I talked a little bit about this uh, with Derek Van Riper on Fantasy Baseball in fifteen, and uh, I had the 15-16 turn in that league. And so I took Freddie Freeman and Francisco Lindor. And if I could rewind it, I would have wanted to take Harper with one of those picks because I could have come back when I took my first outfielder, who was uh, Castellanos, and Javier Baez was still there. So you know, DVR said he thought I was kind of splitting hairs with that. Uh, Lindor and Castellanos versus um, Harper and Baez. Kind of interested what you guys think about that. Would you rather... Um, but I, you know, the point here is just that with shortstop being so deep and outfield being, you know, seven deep in that tier, mm-hmm. I, I would like to escape with an outfielder in the first two rounds. I think that's pretty close. Actually. You said it was Lindor and Castellanos versus Harper, Harper and, and Baez. Yeah. I mean, the thing that is close. I, I, look, I have more confidence in Lindor than Harper because of the track record. I, I understand what you're saying there where it just. You know, the, the value may be better at shortstop later on, whether it's Baez or I, I have a lot of confidence in Gleyber Torres and sure. and uh, um, Carlos Correa, who probably go even later. Um, but I have a lot of confidence in Castellanos still, too. I, I feel like I feel like if he got another four months, the most optimistic projections for him would have would have played out because his batted ball profile still looked awesome. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I have him 18th in the outfield, Nick Castellanos. So that's still a pretty aggressive ranking for a guy who ended up hitting, I think, 230-something, maybe even less than that. Well, I, uh, I have a proclamation on, on Nick Castellanos that we're going to get to a little bit later on. But uh, okay. I am <laughs> ooh, I'm pretty excited about Nick Castellanos. Uh, Kyle Tucker, I'll just wrap it up with this. The, the main thing that stood out to me was the fact that I know we spoke about this early in the season, Scott, that uh, that he was performing well against left-handed pitching, but that really fell off as the season went on. And Kyle Tucker finished with just a 695 OPS against lefties, 905 against right-handed pitching. I looked into his minor league numbers. He dominated lefties at every yeah. single level, every single season. So I really do not worry about this with Kyle mm-hmm. Tucker um, and the potential of George Springer potentially you know, leaving in free agency. Um, I, not that I have any worries about Kyle Tucker's playing time anymore, but it just gives you a little bit more validation. So I actually don't mind him uh, going in this range in early ADP. No, nope. I mean, he performed at like a 25 homer, 25 steal pace. He didn't strike out that much. Yeah, I, I think he perf- I think he delivered pretty close to his best case scenario. And uh, yeah, the lefty split. I mean, you're a, a, a season, a, a full season's worth of, left-handed splits splits against a left-handed pitcher is already pretty small so you're talking about a tiny sample of at bats yep. there where kyle tucker finished with a little less than a 700 ops against lefties i mean if he if he's like a 725 750 ops guy against lefties he's going to be he's going to be pretty good it's it's more about are the astros willing to use him against lefties and certainly appears that they are 
thankfully, finally. Yeah, finally. And that's exactly where Devers has been the past couple of years against lefties. So he's not great, but as long as he can hold his own and be adequate, yeah, that's 725, 750 range. I think that would be uh, pretty good there for Kyle Tucker. We're going to take a quick break. I just want to remind everyone that if you enjoy listening to Fantasy Baseball today, drop a five-star Apple Podcast rating and review and leave a question as part of your review. Next week, we're taking a look at relief pitcher and starting pitcher. So if you have any questions for either of those previews, please leave them on Apple. I actually recently found out that if you've left an Apple Podcast review in the past, you can still leave another one or update the one that you have left uh, previously. So... If you have a question, make sure to drop it there, and we'll answer them next week. Take a break. When we come back, the White Sox, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. Who is Scott taking first? Find out here, Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so at 12 through 14 in Scott's outfield ranks for 2021, this is maybe the most fun group or uh, Depends on your definition of fun, honestly. You might want to rip your hair out trying to figure these guys out. Uh, but it is Aaron Judge, Eloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert. Just quickly, when it comes to Aaron Judge, and this is a serious question, if you are, if you just want to swing the fences for upside, Al, I'll ask you this one. Uh, just swing for power upside. Why wouldn't you just take Giancarlo Stanton like 30 to 40 picks later than Aaron Judge? Oh, thank you. I was going to say I I know Al needs to answer this. I just want to interject because he's noticeably missing. Stanton, at least on CBS, is positioned to be DH only next year, as are J.D. Martinez and uh, a couple other big outfielders from Mil Reyes, Jorge Soler. So keep that in mind. That's that's part of the reason. Go ahead, Al. Okay. Uh, But I mean, you know, Frank is citing the the ADP here. So. you know, I think it's still it's still a, a great point, and yeah. I would certainly do that if um, I was looking outfielder at that that stage of the draft where where Judge is about to go. I I'm happy to wait. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that you're talking power in in a vacuum there, and uh, there's obviously a lot of appeal to both uh, Jimenez and, and Robert. And specifically for those two gentlemen, um, like I said before the 2020 season, that I think. Eloy is going to turn into Nolan Arenado in the outfield. He's going to become a you know four-category stud, uh, and I'm sticking by that. I don't think he did anything this season to dissuade me from that. Luis Robert. Is it Robert or Robert? I heard that recently he came out and said that his name is actually Robert. That's uh, that's what I was going with. Um, yeah. Uh, I gotta, there are I gotta, a lot of people strongly correcting the Robert Sayers yeah. coming into the year. I, saying, I, I oh, I, it's Robert. I listened to a podcast recently where they said that he came out and said that it's actually Robert. So, all right, we'll have to figure well, that one out. If he did, obviously that's the right pronunciation. I right. just, I just don't. It's, it's the new, it's the new Jordan Jordan, right? Yeah. So for Jordan, do we finally settle on Jordan Alvarez? I feel like that's that's all I've heard recently. I say I Jordan, so. but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Zach or Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So for Luis Robert. We basically had the inverse of Adalberto Mondes here, uh, here, Scott, where he got off to a fantastic start, first 33 games through August 31st, 298 batting average, 10 home runs, four steals, 
And then September came, and his final 23 games, 136 batting average, one home run. At least he was still stealing bases. He had five steals in the first, uh, final month of the season. So, what do you what like? How are you valuing Luis Robert? Like, do you want to get involved? Do you want to have at least a few shares in case he blows up next year? What are you thinking? So my goal here was to rank Luis Robert, who, by the way, would be lower in a points league because uh, it's the steals ability that's propping him up here. My goal was to rank him as high as I could while still feeling pretty confident I wouldn't get him, you know, if I was following my old, own rankings. Because I recognize huge ceiling. The fact that he, he did come up and steal bases at a high rate is very encouraging because I wasn't sure how, how that was going to play out with the White Sox especially. And the power, no questioning that. Is there enough contact? Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it. He hit 136 in September. I mean, it was, it was a disaster. Um, and he ended up with a 233 batting average overall. So, you know, he could be great next year. I, it's 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 a steep price for a what if, uh, and I would have to really be hurting for steals. You know, have really gotten shut out there to this point. I think to to pay into that. You know, this is a stretch of outfielders where. Uh, I'm not confident, really, in the order I have them ranked. You could say that about Judge. I mean, I feel like there's a point where you have to put Judge as long as he's still performing at a 50-homer pace as he just did. Uh, but I'm not really confident in drafting him here. Like This is a range where I'm going to be drafting a lot of starting pitchers, I know. So um, I, I kind of don't want to bang my head against the wall trying to figure out exactly who I want the most. I, I don't really want any of these guys that much. Well, let's talk about that next group. It is, I'll put all these guys together, 15, 16, 17, 18. You have Blackman, who Al spoke about a little bit, really kind of tailed off. And you know, for a while, he was batting over 400, and people are like, losing their minds. This guy's going to hit 400 for the entire season, and then completely fell off in the uh, second month of the season. Star, uh, Starling Marte, you have at 16. Scott Trent Grisham comes in at 17, and then Nick Castellanos. And the proclamation that I would like to make right now Nick Cassianos, is that he will be 2021's Marcelo Zuna. He will, not entirely, like, do I think he's going to hit 330, 350? No, but I think he's going to bounce back in a big way and heading into 2022 drafts, we're looking at him as like a third, fourth round pick. I think that he's certainly capable of doing that and the underlying numbers said so this season. So Blackman, Marte, Trent Grisham, Castellanos, uh, this is an interesting mix of Old, new, speed, bounce back. What are you thinking here, Scott? So I really, I, I still like Charlie Blackman a lot. I think there's going to be a temptation to downgrade him because of his age. He's entering his mid-30s now. Uh, but I didn't see a lot in the batted ball profile to lead me to believe there's actual decline happening here. Still strikes out at the same low rate. His exit velocity, average exit velocity was... Down a little, but not enough that would really raise an alarm over a two-month stretch. Uh, I, I just think, uh, you know, the home runs were there early, and then he went. He had a home run drought that he didn't have a chance to correct from. The season ended before Blackman could correct his numbers. Uh, but there, there isn't clear enough evidence of decline for me to say he's declining, and given his track record, I mean, this seems like great value for him. Yeah, I yeah, I worry that maybe I'll miss out because I am buying into the the age uh, curve narrative with him. Uh, but he's you know he's not really run for a couple of seasons, so that part of the argument to talk myself into him is is gone. I think as long as he's at Coors, the batting average will be there. But um, the hard hit rate was down this year, so yeah, it's it feels risky to me. Um, you know that said, it, it, this part of the um, of the, the outfield tiers, it's not, not like I'm, you know, really super excited about anybody. I mean, you go down a few spots. I know I keep working ahead of you guys, but you know, Dominic Smith, Will Myers. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty uh, in that tier that Blackman could wind up being a, a major value. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'd be more intrigued by you know Starling Marte, Trent Grisham, certainly Castellanos, who I think um, you know we're talking him up, but. Anybody who's taking his 2020 stat line at face value, um, they're they're going to miss out on probably, you know, maybe like I said, some Marcelo Ozuna-like production in 2021. And for what it's worth, again, like 
very early drafts and these nine mock drafts. Uh, Charlie Blackman, 81 ADP. So, you know, last year we started, started to see him slide a little bit, you know, fall into like third, fourth, fifth round. And now down at 81 is Charlie Blackman. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually remains in that range or uh, does he continue to drop or or so be it. Uh, Trent Grisham is, is one that really stood out to me, Scott. And I know that he offered this solid combination of, of power and speed. And I've talked about it on multiple podcasts, right? Like, I don't think the speed is going anywhere for any of the Padres. Like, I think Jace Tingler is super aggressive with his teams on the base paths. And, and I don't think that that um, is going away anytime soon. Trent Christian will be just 24 years old at the start of next season. And I think some people are, are going to find it surprising to see him this high in the rankings. But based yeah. 10 home runs, 10 steals in, in 56 games, it's specifically in Roto. I don't think it's crazy. And I think he could probably even be better than he was. He His batting average ended up only around 250. Uh, you know, the data suggests it should have been better than that. And um, yeah, it finished 251. XBA was 263. But I mean, given the quality of contact, I think the line drive rate was very high. 24.8%. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, I see. I see even more ceiling for Grisham than he showed, and and obviously he showed the the biggest things he showed were okay. Yeah, not a quadruple A guy. His numbers were ridiculous in the minors last year. Didn't do much with the Brewers after getting called up. We know he's a legit everyday player. Gets on base a ton, uh, and also he's going to run a lot, like you said. So, I think uh, I think I'm confident drafting him here. I think I, I think there's a better chance he gets even better than he takes a step back in, in 2021. And I, I bring up splits a lot, and I really like to see out of young players that they perform well as a lefty against left-handed pitching. And for Grisham, a 750 OPS against lefties, 830 against righties. So that'll do. That'll get it done. So uh, pretty excited about Grisham in this range. All right, little guess who action. Are you guys ready? The way it will work is... I will give you a clue. You can make a guess. Uh, if you get it right, I'll continue to give out the clues anyway, so people know what I'm, you know, who I'm talking about here. Uh, but are you ready? I, I just want to point out that if we were playing legit guess who, like Al, Al would Al looks like a perfect, like he looks like a guess who character right now. He's got the beard, he's got the glasses, <laughs> like he has so many features that you'd want in a guess who game card. So, and see, uh, I'm just I'm thinking of Burton Cummings, which is a reference <laughs> that might be, you know, too old for for some people. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, mean, I have no idea. a different guess, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready? Yes. First up, I'm ready. My 16 home runs were tied for third at the outfield position. So we could we could just. You could just well, that. the thing is, Al saw these clues beforehand. And he's like, I, I already know who it is. Or, I think I know. He thinks he I knows. I think I know it. So, I think it's Adam Duvall. It is not Adam Duvall, but I believe oh. he had 16 home runs as well. I will continue. My 864 OPS was 18th among qualified outfielders. Okay. 16 home runs and 864 seems like a low OPS for the number of home runs in the span of time. Um, Any guesses? Uh, no. All right. More. We will continue on. My 519 X-Slug was in the 87th percentile. Sounds like a pretty interesting player. 16 home runs? Like, who? 16 homers. Sound- 864 OPS. 519 X-Slug. My early ADP is 213.4. Wait, a guy hit 16 home runs and he's being drafted outside the top 200? I know, right? I got see. I got nothing past Duval. That seemed to fit him perfectly. I know who it is. Uh oh, it's AJ Pollock. Oh, it is not. Oh, oh, that was a good guess. <laughs> but I but but AJ Pollock had like a sneaky good year too. Yeah, he did. The next clue that I'll give you, he plays in the same division as AJ Pollock. Okay, so that was Does, <laughs> that doesn't help at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, think it through the teams. What, yeah. What, what, was it Will Myers? No, it was not Will Myers. Okay. Will Myers has like a 70 ADP. So okay. 
I made a lot of home runs for the diamond. Oh, Cole Calhoun. Yeah. Oh, Cole Calhoun. Oh man. Such. I would have thought his ADP was even lower than that. Such an interesting play. ADP makes sense now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Cole Calhoun is actually just turned 33 years old. Just quietly gives you home runs. Not really much else, but 33 homers in 2019, 16 home runs in 2020. Uh, so if you're looking for power next year in your drafts, extremely late because nobody wants Cole Calhoun. He's been pretty damn good. So there you go. Our latest edition yeah. of Guess Who? Al Melchior. I want to thank you for joining us here on Fantasy Baseball today. You were inducted into the Hall of Fame and you didn't even know it. How about that? Al, where can everyone find your work and what else do you have going on right now? All right. Well, uh, folks can find me on Twitter at Al Melchior BB. I, uh, you know, I send out the the links to everything out there. You can find me on the Athletic, and as I you know, mentioned before, you know, currently uh, Fancy Baseball and Fifteens on on pause, but we'll be back real soon. And uh, yeah, just go to the Athletic Fantasy uh, for uh, all the off season and draft prep content. And you're not going to CBS. And you can follow Al on Twitter. At Al Melchior, B B A L M E L C H I O R B B. And I, you know, I texted Adam before we started, Al, and I was like, you know, g- give me, give me a fun Al reference from back in the day that will make, that'll make him laugh. And he goes, oh, I don't know. Adam's a little grumpy right now. I, I don't blame him. You know, football is a very busy time of year. I, I shouldn't even be mm-hmm. texting him with this stuff. But you know, I, I think I used to call him Old Dirty Babbitt. That he did, or someone he said someone used to call him Old Dirty Babbitt. I th- I think I think that might be a herkism. It, it's a herkism. <laughs> yeah, I I thought Adam was going to bring up the gurgle. Uh, that that's where I thought. Yeah, <laughs> we we were uh, on the same wavelength there, Scott. Yeah. Well, now you got to tell us what the gurgle is. <laughs> well, I went through a period where my stomach made these really loud, audible gurgles while we were recording. It yeah. was it was it was really awesome. <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, that's good stuff alright for Scott and Al I am Frank thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel we'll be back again on Tuesday bye bye